Memoirs of the Victorian Detective. This one's not so easy to explain. Unbound Theatre presents Inspector Murder Inspects, created by Dario Knight and Gareth Johnson. Christmas special, a ruby. It's unlocked. Uh, good afternoon. Miss Norder, isn't it? I am indeed. Derek Hobson. We had a short correspondence. Oh, of course. I'd forgotten that was today. Do come in. Oh, thank you. Apologies for the mess. That's rather the reason I'm taking on a new assistant, as it happens. That, and the old one having fled north to look after an elderly aunt. I expect the north were as busy as you as little time for filing. Not a career I ever expected to come my way, but some stories deserve to be told. Indeed. Memoirs of a Victorian Detective. <laughs> I've read both volumes cover to cover. Ooh, must be a dozen times now. You're very kind. Does all this paperwork mean a third volume is in the works? So the newspapers tell me. Though I'd rather they were kept in the dark until it's published. Discretion is my watchword, miss. Oh, I almost forgot. I brought up the post with me. I'll pop it on your desk. Uh, shall I start sorting? If you don't mind, that pile over there is done with if you could box it up. Of course. <laughs> the case of the naval treatment. Sounds like an intriguing tale. Yes. It was certainly eventful. Agony. Hold still! I'm trying to pull it out! Herbert! I've worked out who forged the military documents! It was... What's going on here? Constance got the inspector with a fishing hook! Right in the blubber! In the belly button, you mean? Oh, I see. Naval. You can put that one in the box labelled Best Forgotten. Uh, what about this one? The Case of the Copper Britches. Um... A bit of a tight fit, Luke. No harsh. They'll loosen up with wear. Are you sure the world's ready for metal trousers? I mean, they're a little rough around the... <laughs> ah. Yes, needs more work, I fear. Good grief. There's a filing cabinet marked errant experiments over there. Right you are. Uh, it's full. So are the other three. Ah, no matter. What's this one? The case of the cardboard fox. It's no good. They're not falling for it. Stop it! There's a spare room down the hall marked hospital visits. You can put that in there later. If there's space. Still, your books, Miss Norder. They're all anyone down the alehouse talks about. You and Inspector Murder. What a team. Quite. And Dr. Recluse, yeah, Professor, I should say now, such an incredible mind. Not a week goes by, he's not in the paper with some new contraption. Do you still keep in touch? We do, as a matter of fact. Actually, I'm expecting a letter. Where was that post? I do have one question about these memoirs of yours, though. Yes? Miss Surveillance. <laughs> I mean, she, she's got to be fictional, right? There's not really anyone in the world like that. Mr. Hobson, if you're suggesting my imagination is distorted enough to create someone of Constance's peculiarities, then I'm afraid our working relationship is off to a bumpy start. Of course not. I was only... I mean, I, I'm very much looking forward to the third volume. The whole country is. 
The newspapers say rumour has it. You'll be writing about the Mercia Ruby this time around. I wouldn't like to say. I... Oh, go on. <laughs> Will you? Is it in there? It's not an easy tale to tell. Not fully at any rate. But as it happens, yes, I have been working on it. Brilliant! I was reviewing the manuscript when you came in. The beginning of it's easy enough for me to tell, but as for the rest... I know it's forward of me, Miss Norder, but well, would you read me a section? I'd be the envy of the tavern. I... I suppose. Take a seat. <laughs> Brilliant! <clears throat> Memoirs of a Victorian Detective. Of all the cases on which Inspector Murder and I worked, none caused quite such a stir in the international press as the mystery of the Mercia Ruby. The investigation was one of the many the agency engaged upon while stationed outside of London. Having faked our deaths to fool the inspector's nemesis, Travers Stevo Justice, Detective Davies of Scotland Yard secured us undercover work in all four corners of the country. As the end of 1885 approached, we were summoned to the famed halls of Marlborough Manor. Laura, Luke, Constance, come quickly. The guests are due for lunch at any moment. Have you familiarised yourselves with your false identity? I certainly have, sir. I'm Mr Scripps, the gruff but lovable groundsman. Are you? Keep your hands off my gladioli! <laughs> Marvellous work. Yeah. Laura? Miss Sally Roberts, the maid. Who shall be working with myself. <laughs> Dixon Filey, the butler. <laughs> yeah, what about me? You're posing as Mavis Flump, the housekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> what?! <laughs> There's no time to change it. Detective Davies was most insistent. We're supposed to be undercover. I'm already a proper housekeeper. I'm not being a pretend one and all. Since when did you ever do any proper housekeeping at the agency? I did the dusting. You sold the furniture. Got rid of the dust. Then you blew the money on opium. Can't see what's wrong with that. I'm surprised you could see anything. You're off your face. It's Lord Marlborough. Right. Finally, there you are. Do be a brick and bring through a bottle of the 76 for lunch, will you? Of course, sir. Now, where's that appalling excuse for a housekeeper? Frump! Here yes, she is. is. What do you want? The place settings in a dining room are an utter disgrace, you slovenly old bedpan. Oh, God. Now, listen here, you posh twat! We're undercover. Don't break character. Well, Frump... What have you got to say for yourself? What's that? She's a seller from Wolves. She makes that noise when she's very sorry for making such a crass mistake. Is that so? Yes. Well, I'll be expecting you to sort it straight away. If you need me, I'll be in my study. Up yours, you crusty old tugstain! Enough squabbling. Remember, we're meant to be preventing a robbery. Then why is Constance here? Surely that's only shortening the odds. Watch it, flower child, or I'll be plucking your gladioli and using your guff trumpet as a vase. Lord Marlborough is the owner of the world-famous Mercia Ruby. It's priceless. Hmm. Tell me more. Behave. Well, rumour on the underground grapevine is that someone's out to steal it. I thought it already had been stolen from a bank vault in Zurich. That was a fake. Marlborough's got duds hidden all over the world to throw people off the scent. But he keeps the real one here. In his own house? Pissing amateur. Detective Davies has heard the robbery is due any day now in the run-up to Christmas. 
He reckons one of the three guests Marlborough has coming to lunch this afternoon is the would-be thief. Now, who's following who? I'm keeping an eye on Oscar Aldrich. Says he's a salesman. I've just taken a cup of coffee to his room. And I'm training Lionel Finch, a security expert and keen gardener. We've been in the greenhouse comparing our gooseberries. Moving on. <coughs> um, I'll be following Miss Gwendolyn Collindale. Her father owns the next estate but one, and she's heavily pregnant. So we've got her a room on the ground floor. Who am I supposed to be stalking, then? Nobody. You're meant to be making lunch. Oh, yeah. What are we having? Uh, peacock surprise? What's a surprise? The peacock's fucked off. Oh, go and make soup or something. It's, it's almost time for them to dine. Now, Luke, Laura, be vigilant. No matter what the personal cost, we must stop anyone from stealing the ruby. So and the police! Lord Marlborough? The ruby! He's been stolen! Nice work, dicks on fire. Dicks on fiery. Seems the robbers have beaten us to it. Bugger. That does seem to be a recurring theme in your memoirs, if you don't mind me saying. What does? Inspector murder. Well, ballsing things up. No, not ballsing it up exactly. He had a unique style of detective work. Now, when you say working... He could be a little blinkered, certainly. Always rushing into trouble without planning it through. Sometimes he enjoyed the pomp of it all a bit too much, I suppose. But I think that's why I liked him. You see such awful sides to people's characters in our line of work. And then there was him, with all those funny ideas and odd ways of doing things. It took me too long to realise what I'd really learnt from him. That you never give up. Not until you've solved the case. However blinkered you have to be. However many times you have to rush into trouble. However long you have to wait. It's worth it in the end. That was him. That wonderful daft man, banishing the dark. I didn't mean to. Uh, I, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. Shall I tell you what happens next? Please. We gathered the suspects in the library for interrogation. Of course, being undercover, we had to let the police conduct the interviews. As the last suspect was questioned, we returned to await the verdict. This is scandalous. How dare you treat a woman in my condition like a petty thief? We've already explained ourselves. Why keep us here? What's the game, Filey? Who? You're Filey. So I am. <clears throat> I'm sure the police won't detain you much longer, Mr Finch. It's essential that, having carried out routine interviews to ascertain your movements in the hours leading up to the theft, thus establishing your alibi, they'll then want to make notes on the follow-up questions to help corroborate each version of events. That way they can put together a reconstruction of the incident and scrutinise it in order to identify any falsehoods or inconsistencies that might lead to the true culprit. What? You're a butler. I, I mean, um, I guess that's what they're doing. He reads a lot of crime novels. Pay no heed. I still don't understand why they wanted to question me. I'm in no state to go around stealing trinkets. With the greatest of respect, Miss Collingdale, the Mercer Ruby is priceless. Quite the enviable acquisition, even to the landed gentry. You watch your tongue in front of your betters. You're a gardener for crying out loud, even if you do have impressively firm gooseberries. Not what I've heard. How dare you, madam? Right, that's the last of them. Are you all right? 
right, Mr Aldridge? You look a little shaken. Yes, I'm, I'm fine. I just find it a touch intimidating. Uh, that's all of the suspects questioned. So w- what's the conclusion, Detective Palmer? And what's it to you? Oh, have you know, I'm a much-respected inspector... Butler! Uh, oh, yes. As it happens, we've determined none of these upstanding people are responsible for the crime. Miss Collingdale, Mr Finch, Mr Aldrich, you're free to leave. About time. My father shall hear of this impertinence. Thank you, sir. Thank you. None of them. Keep your voice down, Inspector Murder. It has to be one of them. I mean, what did you call me? You are Inspector Murder, I gather. No, no, not at all. I'm um, Dick's on fire. (laughs) Filey. I'm I'm a respected butler. I came from humble stock, living in a small village in Worcestershire. I was educated to a decent standard, then entered service at the local manor house as a stable boy. The lady of the house took a shine to my chipper attitude and cheeky witticisms and had me taken on by the staff in the main house, where I rose through the ranks to the role of head butler. I left Worcestershire after my father perished in a tragic accident at a jam factory and started afresh here at Marlborough Manor, where I play for the local cricket team as a serviceable batsman and occasional fast bowler. My other hobbies include... Detective Davies told me you were working undercover, Inspector. Oh. Jam factory? Were you trying to preserve your alibi? Ow! One more pun like that and your oh-so-firm gooseberries will be next. Detective Palmer, if you knew who we were, why not say? Hmm. Best not to arouse suspicion amongst the suspects. But you let them all go. People talk, Inspector. And Lord Marlborough wouldn't want to be the subject of idle gossip when it comes to his household staff. His lordship's in a dreadful state. Fortunately for him, he not long ago secured an insurance policy for the gem. But all the same... He's devastated to have been fooled. So, if it wasn't Collingdale, Finch or Aldrich, who stole the ruby? One of my chaps found some footprints in the mud outside the window of the room in which the ruby was being held. A very old size, these tracks, much too big for Miss Collingdale and a touch too large for the two gentlemen. No, our suspect got away before any of us were on the scene. We've officers out combing the area. So what should we do? As it happens, I'm no stranger to undercover work myself. If you want my advice, you should preserve your aliases a while longer. Davies said to keep a low profile for a bit, then he'll send word of where you'll be headed next. What an anticlimax. Oh, it's not all that bad. You'll be staying here until the new year. Not a bad place to spend Christmas, this. And I gather Marlborough's family are due to arrive this evening, so he'll need some extra staff about the place. (laughs) What the? Raised by wolves. Hmm. Well, I must be off. Pleased to meet you all. Bollocks. I know, I know. But like he said, it's best we don't draw attention to ourselves. Not that. This missing suspect of his. You think he's got it wrong? Uh, Let's take a look at those footprints, shall we? Here they are. Steady. You're trampling on the begonia. Oh, give it a rest, capability brown trousers. They certainly are big footprints. Palmer's right. Too big for any of the guests. What about Marlborough himself? Inside job? No. There's something wrong here. It's usually you. Too neat. Too well defined. I take it back. The footprints, you mean? If you'd just stolen a priceless gemstone, you'd want to make a quick getaway. But these prints that... They're too clear, too clean, like they were carefully placed. Too close together as well. This chap wasn't running. They're fake. Someone's trying to throw the police off the scent. 
Should we tell Palmer? No. He's just let all three of his suspects go. The man's an imbecile. Now you know how we feel. So what do we do? Find the suspects as quickly as possible and trail them. I'll go after Colindale. Laura, you take Aldrich and Luke, you follow Finch. See where they go, what they do and whether they give themselves away. We'll meet back here in three days. <laughs> Just in time for Christmas. Agreed? Agreed. Agreed. Let's go. Oi, not so feckin' fast, you lot. What do I do? I've often wondered that. Someone needs to stay here to preserve our cover. <laughs> You'll have to make sure the house runs smoothly till we get back. And with Marlborough's whole family due tonight. That'll keep you busy. Oh, Christ, she's foaming at the mouth. Run, run! <laughs> Blimey, you lot must have been feeling brave. Oh, we've been together long enough to learn how to outrun her. It was rule one of field work. Know where every pub in the local vicinity is and map out an escape route that passes by all of them. She slows down after the 7th or 8th tavern. No, I mean leaving her alone in Marlborough. Perhaps, but it was the least bad option. So what happened after that? That's where it gets difficult to report. When it was all over, we talked about what each of us had seen, of course. But I never wrote it down. It was in the early days of being in hiding. My head was all over the place. After the Vaughan affair, you mean? Yes. So when I knew I was going to write about the Marlborough case, I needed some help. Fortunately, Luke and I are still in regular contact. He writes the sweetest letters. And if I'm not mistaken, the top one in this pile you brought with you... Yes. He said he'd write up about what happened with Finch. Shall we? Oh, yes, please. Memoirs of a Victorian Inventor. After finally shaking off Constance somewhere between the coachman's arms and the amber flagon, the inspector, Laura and I, split up in search of our respective suspects. Finch had gotten himself a substantial head start on me. Fortunately, I had an ingenious new gadget with me called a hydrostatic tracer. Unfortunately... It needed more work. Still, there were enough witnesses to lead me to his trail and I caught up with him some ten miles south of Marlborough Manor. <laughs> Please, it, it can't be much further. All right, Gov. Ah, good afternoon, young fellow, my lad. I ain't seen you around these parts before. Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm looking for someone. Oh, anyone in particular, or will I do? Ah, I like the cut of your jib, Sonny. Uh, you know, you reminded me of dear young Watkins from the agency. What's your name, my boy? Hopkins. Ah, small world. Now then, Hopkins, have you seen a surly-looking bloke in a sharp suit passing through? Ah, uh, that I have. Not a quarter of an hour ago. Excellent. Which way did he go? Ah, uh, that'll cost you, Gov. <sighs> You've not got a brother living in London, have you? Ah, uh, not to my knowledge, no, Squire. Right. Here's sixpence. Where'd this chap go, Hopkins? I headed to the farm, so he did just over there. Farm? Ah, there he is. He mustn't see me. Duck! What's your game then, Gov? First you're looking for him, next you're hiding. I have reason to suspect that that man has stolen a priceless gemstone. Crikey. That's a rum business and no mistake. You're very chipper, aren't you, Hopkins? I does my best. What's your trade, may I ask? I'm a shoeshiner, Gov. Really? What happened, Sans? I'm writing a musical about shoeshiners called Titchy Jim the Boot Buffer. I could use a young scamp like you to play Titchy's sidekick, Smudger the Smitten Shoemender. He sings the Act One love song, Let's Waggle Our Tongues and Our Souls. 
Right. And this jewel thief? Back to the matter in hand. You're quite right. Perhaps the farm is some kind of drop-off point. Who runs the place? A chap called Borton. Place has seen better, Jay. It's just a couple of cows and all the geese now. Geese, you say? My God. What's the trouble? The blue carbuncle. Uh, you can get cream for that. No, the Sherlock Holmes case. It was in the Strand a few years back. Not my cup of tea, Squire. I prefer the classics. Give me a bit of foin de la Rochefort any day. Yes, well, in the blue carbuncle, a precious gem gets stolen and hidden in the gullet of a goose. Sounds a bit far-fetched to me. Wouldn't someone have noticed there was a whacking great lump in its neck? All the same, it's used as the means to smuggle the stolen goods out of sight. I bet our fiend Finch is pulling the same trick. We need to give the geese the once-over. You're on your own there, Gov. Not like that. We need to see if he's fed any of them the gemstone. There'll be a pretty penny of a reward if we find it. Good luck getting Borton to help. He won't have his prize gander's touch for any price. Hmm. Tricky. Hopkins, is there a scrapyard in the town? That there is. Why? I've got an invention in mind. Just a few more checks. All right, Gov. Finch is sat tight in the local tavern. Looks like he'll be there for the night. How's your thingy-me-bob doing? Almost ready. What is it, exactly? This, my fine fellow, is a very powerful camera. So powerful that it can see inside living creatures. You're yanking me, Jay. I'll prove it. See if you can get one of the geese to stand on the platform. Right, you are. Here, goosey, goosey, goosey. Come on. Got it. Take the picture. Here it goes. Ah. Well, we can see its insides all right. Yes. Needs more work, I fear. No time like the present. Find another goose and I'll adjust the power settings. This way. Come on. Ignore the blood and guts. Got one. Bingo. Got it. Ah. No sign of the ruby, though. Ring on the next one. There's dozens of these things, Gov. We'll be here all night. Yes, you're right. I know. I'll adjust the magnification. We'll see if we can get the whole pen in one go. Right. Powering up. You did it! Well done, Gov. Thank you, Hopkins. Now then, let's look at this photograph. Hmm. Not looking promising. Squire? Not now, Hopkins. I must study this closely. I think you'll want to see this first. See what? The geese. Uh, they don't look happy. Well, they never do. It's just how they... Ah, yes, they do seem a bit, um, agitated, don't they? And, and their eyes... They, they weren't growing bright green before, were they? Uh, their muscles weren't quite so big either. And when did they grow fangs? What the hell's in that camera of yours, Squire? Oh, just a few chemicals. I've used them before. Although this does explain why the neighbour's cat took up weightlifting after that photo shoot. Oh, Christ! Watch out, Gus, they're coming this way! Bloody hell! Leg it! All right, gents, last orders, please. Same again, sir. Cheers. Here, what's that noise? Dunno. Sounds like it's heading this way, though. What the? Yeah. Look at the size of those geese! Run for it! Ah, Hopkins! Get them outside! Don't you worry, Squire, I'm on the case. Come on, Goosey! Thank Bunsen for that! Here, 
You're the gardener from the mansion. Oh, uh, um, no, no, I'm not. What are you doing here? This is my local. Ten miles from the house? Well, everywhere's local to somewhere. <laughs> What's your game? I'm a dab hand at Shove Hapney, and I'm good at hide-and-seek too, especially where precious gems are concerned. Give me that suitcase of yours. Oi! Leave that alone. Ah! Oh, no ruby. Cause there ain't. I told the Rosers. Hold on. This is a false bottom. Don't touch that. Hammer, chisels, dynamite. Of course, all the kits you need to crack a safe. I bet you didn't tell the police about that. Damn it. Come on, then. Where's the ruby? I haven't got it, honest. I mean, I tried. I was this close to having the safe open, and then I had to leg it. Why so? There was some commotion in the hall. Marlborough shouting the odds with that woman with a bun in the oven. I snuck out through a priest hole and went back to my room. Before I had a chance to try again, some other git got there first. Ah, that's frustrating. Told you you'd gotten the wrong bloke, didn't I? Yes. Bit of a wild goose chase, really. So, one suspect down, two to go. I remember Luke saying he'd riled up the geese, but I didn't realise he'd mutated the whole gaggle. Oh, it was in the news sheets, wasn't it? They started raiding other farms and kicking the stuffing out of the turkeys. They say there are still a few running wild on the South Downs. It's nice to have a legacy. I'm very good of Luke to fill in a gap in the investigation. I shall write that up this evening. Uh, what about that woman arguing with Marlborough, then? Collingdale, weren't it? She was the inspector's suspect. Ah. What? Well, it must be a bit difficult getting his side of the story, what with, uh, well, one thing and another. Actually, he was ahead of me there. What do you mean? Pass me that wooden box on the sideboard. Here you are. These were given to me by Scotland Yard when I gave up detective work. The inspector had entrusted them to Detective Davies a few years before. Wax cylinders? He'd started recording his own case files long before I put pen to paper. I told myself one day I'd transcribe them, publish his own account of his life, but I can never listen to them. Not all the way through. Oh, I, I didn't mean to. No, just me being silly. If the Mercer Ruby business is to be made public, it has to be the full account. There's a gadget over there to play it on. Would you mind? Oh, of course. <coughs> Here we are. Cylinder number 27. Now, where was I? Hello, you. Memoirs of a Victorian detective. My pursuit of Miss Collendale led me to the nearby township of Duncham, some three miles from Marlborough Manor. You there, uh, Miss Collendale. Get your hands off me. Oh, uh, dreadfully sorry. <laughs> Wrong woman. After a quick navigational recalibration, my pursuit of Miss Collendale led me to the nearby township of Redbury, some three miles from Marlborough Manor and six miles from Duncham. Come along now, Miss Collendale. Time to hand yourself in. You what? Ah. Uh, after another reassessment of the situation, my pursuit of Miss Collendale led me to the nearby township of Abbotsbridge, some three miles from Marlborough Manor and <clears throat> several miles from Duncham and Redbury. No, no matter. At last, after a lengthy journey, I narrowed in on the suspect. Excuse me, sir. Aye? 
Have you seen a pregnant woman pass through here? I have, as a matter of fact. Excellent. <laughs> Which way did she go? Round yon corner toward the canal. Many thanks. What, uh, what, what are you doing with all these sheep, may I ask? Taking them off to slaughter in time for Christmas. Of course. I shall leave you to it. <laughs> Good day. All right. Round the corner and uh, towards the canal. Oh, so sorry. There is scarce necessity to beg forgiveness, my fine fellow. Why, it was simply an inevitable consequence of our mutual hastened perambulation. Come again? Why, our unanticipated physical encounter was but a mere misfortune, devoid of malicious intent and therefore scarcely worth the cerebral expedience of an expression of contrition. I, um... No need to apologise, good sir. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, here that's uh, quite the gown you're wearing, <laughs> some sort of an academic. It is the insignia symbolic of the investiture of my person to the Society of Greater Thinking. I have successfully attained the required standard of demonstrable knowledge to pass into the exalted ranks of their establishment. Of course, yes, just as I thought. Are you, sir, also gifted with the wisdom of an expansive intellect? Well, I, um... I don't wish to blow my own trumpet, <laughs> but I am prone to the uh, odd pearl of wisdom. Such as? Oh, um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's always a good idea to, to have ideas and, and follow them through, I think. I see. Well, I must continue my travails to the temple of like-minded intelligences. As you were. <laughs> Snob. I am still within optimal range to discern your derogatory utterance, sir. What? <clears throat> I heard that. Whoops. Oh, come on, Collindale. Where are you? Aha! <laughs> Got you! Look, I just need a bed for one night. Anywhere will do. I told you, we're full. Can't turn me away in this state. I'm nine months gone. Sorry, no room. Brilliant. Curious. I mean, why would Miss Collendale be in need of shelter when her father's a lord of the manor? Still, I don't think much of the hospitality around here. Fancy turning away a pregnant woman at Christmas. Of all the... Uh, hang on. A pregnant woman? No room at the inn? The, the, the wise man and, and, and the shepherd. Oh my God! It's happening again. The, the, Miss Collendale, um, did you come back? I soon apprehended this spurned mother to be, and endeavoured to ensure the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ was prepared for. As evening approached, I made Miss Collendale comfortable. What? the hell are we doing in a barn? <clears throat> it's a stable. No, it isn't. It was the best I could manage. Uh, sorry, Your Holiness. Look, I'd know you must think I had something to do with the robbery at Marlborough Manor, but that doesn't give you licence to stalk me and lock me in a grotty old shed covered in muck. 
I'd forgotten about the robbery. Um, it's, it's of no concern. The Lord our Saviour is soon to be delivered. What? You are great with child. The virgin birth. Oh, Christ. Exactly. Who were they? Just in time, Holy Mother. This is a wise man and a humble shepherd. Sorry, there's only one of each. It's been a bit of a rush. What in the gracious name of civility is going on here? What are you lot doing in my barn? Barn? Told you. It's a stable. It's my barn and I want you out. But this lowly woman is about to give birth to the Son of God. I need a shepherd and a wise man to witness the miraculous arrival alongside this little donkey. <coughs> Couldn't find a donkey. Um, did you bring the gifts? What gifts? The gifts. The gold and frankincense and myrrh. I'm very much afraid you neglected to supply me with the adequate instruction when extending an invitation to this impromptu arable gathering. No gifts. Well, that's the lot of us in for a smiting when Jesus arrives, isn't it? Look, this really is not necessary if you'll just let me explain. It's time. Allow me to assist with the child's delivery. What? No! Get off! Get it, off! Here it comes! It's... it's... It's a watermelon. <gasps> the holy melon of Abbot's Bridge. Praise be the Lord! I think you'd better explain yourself, young lady. I was faking it, obviously. Eh? It was a ruse. I was trying to convince Marlborough I was up the duff and that the sprog was his. We had a fling just before summer, and I thought the threat of a scandal might con me or get out of some old cash. But your father owns an entire estate. He's... Uh... Broke. Gambled it all away. He'll be in debtor's prison before New Year... I thought I could scare Marlborough into giving me the ruby to pay the bills. We argued for a bit, but he started coming round to the idea. Then my melon slipped and broke his big toe. Fat chance of getting a penny now. Indeed. If you're looking for a thief, you want to talk to that Aldrich bloke. He knows his way around gems. Marlborough said he was there to value the ruby. I'll follow that up when I return to the manor. Oh... Speaking of which, why did you travel all the way out here to find shelter? I didn't fancy my chances when the debtors, when they come knocking. Of course. So, no second coming then? <clears throat> Apparently not. Wait, what's that? An angelic choir! Good heavens! It's, it's the good heavens! Sorry about that. I play it to soothe me bullocks. Bugger. Well, you did say you could be a little blinkered. But still trying to help. All the same. Not Collingdale, not Finch, so it had to be Aldrich. It's not that simple. Oh, come off it. Collingdale told you he was... Hold on. What happened to your housekeeper while all this was going on? I'm not sure you'll want to hear that particular account. Oh, go on. I bet she got up to all sorts of scrapes. Constance's little escapades aren't for the faint-hearted. Does she still write you letters, too? She prefers homing pigeons. Bit old-fashioned. She plucks them and tattoos the message on their stomachs. Oh. When it came to the Mercia Ruby affair, however, she ran out of pigeons, so she wrote it on this instead. Blimey. 
Is this? Vellum. Goat skin? She uses the nipples as full stops. Go on, have a read. Memoirs of a fucking legend! While girly science man and the witless wonder of Westminster pissed about all over the place, I had to keep an eye on the toff who'd had his family jewels pinched. Fucking idiot. If it was me with the flashy rock, nobody dare try and nick it. Anyone who got close enough would find themselves getting a short, sharp shock right up there. You may want to skip the next bit. Right, you are. Until it started coming out of both nostrils. Then I'd... Then that bit. Okay. Because they can't shout for help when there's an angry weasel thrashing about inside there. Next page. Yep. Anyway, that night the rest of the chinless family turned up and that's when it all kicked off. Snooty little shits kept giving me orders. You, woman, put another log on the fire or you'll feel my boot in your back. Larsery here, housekeeper. Why isn't my fork polished? That's not how you stoke. You need to jab. Jab. Oh, for goodness sake, you call this a cocktail? This gravy tastes like snot. Well, now it's too hot, you useless old hag. Ah! Don't scream in the presence of your betters, girl. It's entirely unbecoming. Who are you? I am Isabella Marlborough, Lord Marlborough's niece. I've not seen you here before. She's new. My sweet hired her a few days ago. Goes by the name of Frump. How apt, under the circumstances. Still, servants' clothes are not meant to flatter. All the same, she's quite the slovenly old crone, if you ask me. Right. That's not how you hold a poker girl. Honestly, did your mother teach you nothing? She taught me how to plug all the holes in a dike, sure enough. Mm, charming. Well, we've no further need for your quaint turn of phrase, Frump. Go and make us coffee. I was waiting for you to ask. <laughs> what was that? What was what? You were laughing. Wasn't? Don't lie to me, you stale old Welsh cake. <laughs> I take it that witch cackle was because you were planning some little act of sabotage in the scullery? No. Hmm, just as well. I found the rancid milk you planted. When I went to inspect the silverware, I saw the flakes of skin in the sugar bowl too. Not to mention the surprise you left in the coffee pot. Don't think you can get the better of me, Frump. Better than you have tried to embarrass Isabella Marlborough and failed. In that case, I'll go and make your bed. Without the itching powder. I confiscated that as well, along with the rusty nails, the dead mice and the asp. <coughs> I've warned you about those feral noises of yours. Desist! <sighs> Anything else, Lady Isabellend? As a matter of fact, Frump, there is. The house is in a frightful state. It simply won't do for Christmas. You better sod off somewhere else then. The chimneys need sweeping. Who do I look like? Some Dickensian soot sniffer? After that, the dogs need cleaning up. I'm not scrubbing your growler, lady. And then there are the lavatories. You what? All of them. They need a thorough clean. By hand. I want to see my face in them. Don't tempt me. 
Oh, that's that noise again. Stop. Can we make a start on the chimneys, or I shall report you to the police? As you wish, insolent old crone. You will address me as your ladyship before leaving a room. That's it. Nobody slaps me and gets away with it, you monumental sack of... We're undercover. Don't break character. Oh, yeah. Stupid girly getting in my head. What are you talking about? Nothing. I'll just go and make a start on the chimneys, your lady ship. Good. Lazy shit. Curious woman. I don't trust her. It always takes a while to adjust to a new housekeeper. She'll learn. Now then, everybody, off to bed. Only three more sleeps until Christmas. Lazy, self-entitled shitbags. Oi, stop chirping! I'm trying to see! <laughs> Cocking crickets ruining the atmos. Mrs. Frump? What do you want? Could you warm me up some milk, please? It helps me sleep. Bloody kids wanting things! Why are you so angry, Mrs. Frump? Stop calling me that or I'll show you proper fucking anger! Sorry. Your family make a lot of demands, don't they? Daddy says please is for poor people. Hmm. Daddy's going to be the first up against the wall when the revolution comes. You mark my words, Flower. I think it's rude not to say please or thank you. So, thank you for looking after us, Mrs Frump. It's very kind of you. What the fuck are you up to, short stuff? It's Christmas. The season of goodwill, so I'm being good. Otherwise I won't get any presents. But it's fine to behave like a shit the rest of the year. No. I hold Christmas in my heart the whole year round and... Oh, give it a rest, kid, or I'll puke in your face. That's mean. You don't know the half of it. I'll show your snooty parents and their fucked up bloodline what happens when you mistreat people at Christmas. I've got a cunning plan. <laughs> I don't like that smile. It's scary. Stick with me, kid. You'll learn something.
Are you all right? The stockings. Did she really? Yes. In all of them? Medically speaking, she's quite the case study. Blimey. I'd suggest not reading the next bit unless you want to know the grisly details of how she violated a snowman. No, no, I think I get the picture. So what about Aldrich? How did you catch him? Of course, I didn't know at the time that Collingdale had accused him of the theft. He wasn't difficult to track down. His first mistake was not having a clear plan. He divvied and panicked. A few of the locals spotted him before he decided to head out across open fields. He left enough boot prints to track him down later that evening. It was by a lake that I found him, standing on the jetty and staring out at the water. It's a beautiful lake, Mr Aldrich, but a bit too chilly for a midnight swim if you ask me. You were at the house. Neither of us is quite whom we seem, are we? I'm no maid and you're no gracious guest. How would you know? People with nothing on their conscience don't tend to make midwinter midnight strolls, especially not this far into the countryside, though it is very peaceful. I was told you were a salesman. Jewellery, I'm guessing? The high and mighty call me in when they want to sell something. I find a buyer, oversee the sale, take my commission. I'm just a middleman. Nobody. You stole the largest ruby this side of the equator. That's somebody. Too many men covet trinkets and gems. I've never understood why. Cold, hard, nasty things, if you ask me. But covered them, they do. And in my line of work, it's all too easy to stumble across people with a bounty of greed. And all too easy to get pushed around by them, too. My own fault. I said yes too many times. Petty little crimes at first. Swapping jewels for forgeries, mid-sale, that sort of thing. But it paid well. Perfect blackmail material, of course. So they told you to steal the Mercia Ruby or they'd expose you? They'll still do it. It won't stop, will it? I'm theirs now. Now and forever. Just another bloody middleman who couldn't break the cycle and find help. You can break it now. Give me the Ruby. I can't. I promise I can keep you safe if you just... I can't. It's... It's down there. In the lake? Why? I panicked. I kept panicking from the moment I got into the dratted safe. I ran, but then I wanted to stop and go back, and then when I did, I panicked and ran away again. I couldn't put it back where I'd taken it from, and I couldn't say I'd found it just laying around. No one would have believed me. If I hand it to the police, I'm in prison. If I give it to the men after me, then I'm theirs to toy with all over again. I thought if it was gone, I could... When they find out that... I don't... I don't know what to do. I should be down there with it! No, get back! What's the point? Sunrise. What? That's... that's the point. Because it'll still happen, regardless of what you've done today. It's not going to refuse because you made a stupid mistake. It's not going to blackmail you or... or betray you when it rises. It just does. Every day. What stupid mistake did you make? I loved someone. Someone who loved me so much, but... but she couldn't break the cycle and ask for help either. One bad decision led to another. And no matter how much I loved her, I realised I couldn't trust her. So it ended. And here I am. Does it still hurt? Yes. Yes, it does. And then... Sunrise. Up it comes to banish the dark. 
just for a while. If you want my advice, learn to ask for help and do it now. Will you tell them I had no choice, that they threatened me? You'll have to answer for more than the Marlborough theft. But yes, I will make sure they know. Very well. Come on, let's get in from the cold. Then we'll wait for the sunrise. He came with you, just like that? I took him back to Marlborough Manor and called the police. He confessed to everything, not just the ruby. And in return for helping identify a few underworld operatives, he got a reduced sentence. Lives out in Norfolk now, I believe. A recluse. I remember reading the papers that the ruby was never found. No. They searched the lake countless times, but came up with nothing. Anyway, after Aldrich was arrested, the inspector and Luke came back to the manor and we spent Christmas there with Constance. And that was the end of that. It's not the most thrilling conclusion. No big chase or shootout. Story in need of a twist, I suppose. Still, the notoriety of the ruby made it a popular case with the press. Of course, our involvement only came to light after we were out of hiding. Seeing as people expect it in the next book, I'll have to see if I can spice up the ending. I suppose when you lay it all out, it's not that remarkable. One thing leads to another. It always does in detective work. Like you say, might not be the most exciting story. Don't want the audience getting disappointed, do you? Maybe leave it out. I'm just speaking as your assistant, of course, and as an admirer. I don't know. All these years, and there are still things I don't understand about it. Such as? Why couldn't they find the ruby? Unless it was swallowed by a fish with expensive tastes, it should have been there. And why throw it in a lake? If you want rid of it, then chuck it in the river where it might be carried out to sea. He wasn't in his right mind. And the chain of it. One suspect gets interrupted by the second, who accuses the third, who was so scared of his own actions. Why? Then there's the timing. All of them were out to get hold of the ruby on the same afternoon. Well, like the inspector said, all sorts were after it. The old boy had to make decoys to throw him off the scent. But three in the same place on the same day. And none of them knew of the other beforehand. It's such a strange coincidence. And then all of them fooled the police to avoid getting arrested. Well, they thought there was a fourth man, didn't they? The evidence was a lousy fake, though. They should have seen right through that. <sighs> if only the inspector had been able to question them before the police arrived. Maybe we'd have caught the real mastermind behind it all. But Aldrich had a history of being pressed into doing things he didn't want to. And the Mercer Ruby case was no different. It took me a long time to work out a hypothesis. But if you ask me, the reason all three suspects had such strong alibis is because they were given them by someone in the house. Marlborough? Bloody hell, of course. The insurance. Makes sense, doesn't it? But no, it's rather stranger than that. I know you told us all those years ago that you had experience in undercover work, Detective Palmer, but you don't fool me. It's been a pleasant trip down memory lane, but you can drop the accent. <laughs> oh, you really are something else, aren't you? Bravo, Miss Norder. Thank you. I'm afraid you won't be getting a letter or a wax cylinder with my account of the case on it. Oh, I think I can figure it out now I've got all the facts. I said some of the case files of mine are far from dormant. How right I was. You employed all three of them, yes? Collingdale, Finch and Aldrich? The girl to distract Marlborough, the safecracker to get to the goods, and the jeweller to check it wasn't another dud. I'd been burned before. You took the ruby when you questioned them. Odd that you'd speak to all three together, but then it saved time, I suppose. 
You could tell them what to say when you release them, before walking off with the goods and spinning that nonsense about a recent insurance policy. Collingdale and Finch knew the score. Haldridge was a gamble. He was always jittery. But as you saw, if there was a big enough threat hanging over him, then he knew how to toe the line. I was almost impressed by the lake story. I'd have expected him to crack and tell you everything. But there was a decent enough lie. Not perfect, as you say, but good. I presume the ruby's long since passed out of your hands. <laughs> Years ago. Just before I retired, funnily enough. Oh, of course, Aldrich getting collared was unexpected, but he stuck to his bogus story and I saw that he had an easy time of it inside. I still send a Christmas card to Norfolk every year. A festive fret or two to keep his silence? Other than that, it's been a peaceful retirement. Until you started writing your bloody memoirs. You thought I'd given up detective work after the Holmes affair. You were paid for your silence, I heard. No. I kept up my links with Scotland Yard. I'm just better at undercover work than you are, Palmer. Do go on. I knew it wouldn't be long before you got around to looking at the Marlborough case again, so I had to find a way to get close enough to stop you. And here we are. So sorry about this, Miss Norder, but I'm afraid the next volume of your memoirs, without the Marlborough case, is going to be a posthumous publication. <sighs> Always the gun. I can do better than that, Palmer. I've got a whistle. What? Stop right there! Shit! Drop the gun and get your hands where I can see them. Good to see you again, Constable Watkins. I told you, Detective Palmer. I kept up my links with the yard. Young Watkins here is a most helpful liaison. Thank you, Miss Norther. Good to see you again. Nice place you got here. Proper swanky. Watkins will be escorting you to a cell. I always had my suspicions about the Marlborough case, and naturally they turned to you. I just needed some proof. The inspector taught me never to give up, so I didn't. The rumour in the newspapers that I was to write about the Mercer Ruby were put there by me. I knew that you'd be along in due course. Then, when my assistant disappeared to tend to an aunt who he'd previously informed me had died six months ago, it was only a matter of time before you made your move, and Constable Watkins here was more than happy to stand guard for your first... And last day at work. You know what? That stupid bitch Vaughan should have shot you when she had the chance. Don't you say things like that, you nasty piece of... You can go now, Detective. And thank you. This is just the twist my next memoir needed. Excellent work, Watkins. You're a credit to the force. I learned from the best, Miss Norder. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. our musical maestro. Who wants another sherry? How many have you had? Three or four. I meant how many bottles. So did I. Where's Marlborough and his mob then? I thought they were having a big family Christmas. The place is deserted. Oh, I got them out the way long before you got back. How? Laxatives in the cocoa. 
Somebody fetch some dry biscuits. They'll be fine. Now then, I've got a special treat for us. It's not more goose, is it? Uh, I appreciate you doing the cooking, Luke. <laughs> but that bird had bigger muscles on it than a navvy. Oh, no, no. No, I've got you all these. Christmas crackers. Made to my very own design. What could possibly go wrong? I'll have you know I put these through extensive testing. When? You only got back a few hours ago. I can achieve a lot in a little amount of time. Not what I've heard. Who wants to pull one with me? <laughs> I'd be delighted, Luke. <laughs> Ready? Ready. After three. One. Two. Three! Oh, that worked very well. Of course it did. I put in just the right amount of gunpowder. I left the rest in the pavilion. Was that the...? Oh, never mind. Who's for another carol? Yes, why not? Merry Christmas, everyone. Here's to the future. To, to the, the future! future. Inspector Murder Inspects was created by Dario Knight and Gareth Johnson. It starred Alistair Sanderson as the Inspector, Emily Pugh as Laura, Joe Pratt as Constance, and Andrew Faber as Luke Verclues, with TJ Lee as Palmer, David Alt as Marlborough, Philippa Garrido as Lady Isabella, Stephen J. Davies as Aldrich, Gareth Johnson as Finch and the Farmer, Hannah Rogers as Collingdale, Erica Sanderson as Watkins and the Innkeeper, Nikki Scott as Hopkins and Agatha, and Robert Aldington as Carmichael and the Landlord. Music was by Kevin MacLeod and editing by Gareth Johnson. It was produced and directed by Dario Knight for Unbound Theatre.